When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Case File 23 of Microscope, the show that examines some of the world's biggest mysteries. To celebrate Halloween this year, we've got one of our spookiest ever stories, as I speak to a horror writer who insists that he once owned a haunted word processor. I phoned up Sam McCartney, a writer for film and television for the past 25 years, and responsible for some of the most successful Hammer horror films of the modern era. But in the early 2000s, Sam began claiming that the words he was writing for horror on the screen were actually coming true in real life. At the time, Sam blamed this on a haunted word processor, and I talked to him about where this word processor came from, and how it was eventually destroyed. But the recording starts with me asking Sam about the first TV script he ever wrote. I did a period drama, which wasn't my forte, I have to say. Um, I gave it a good go. Yeah. But uh, it, it, well... <laughs> it's not the sort of area you prefer to work in. Yeah, it, it didn't... It, it wasn't my thing. You know, the problem with period drama is that you've got to know your history. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there was a scene... Uh, it was set in a beautiful... Uh, do you know Kenwood House up in North London? A no. beautiful mansion. Well, a fancy-looking old building. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And you're looking at, I don't know, this thing might be 250 years old. I don't know. I've got no idea. Uh, and the costumes were fantastic. I uh, I had no say on them. They looked incredible. They were set in about, I think, the mid-18th uh, century. Yeah. Uh, but again, I didn't know that because, you know, I don't work in costume. I, how am I supposed to know that? Anyway, I opened the period drama with the two leads discussing uh, what they both thought about 9-11. Now, <laughs> right. no one told me at the time uh, that... Uh, you what know, do you mean at the time? Were... Surely the screenwriting process happens months and months before production starts. You're honestly saying that the first day of filming, these two actors get on the set in this fancy old building and start discussing 9-11, and then what, the director goes, cut? He's not been involved in the process until then. No, well, the, the problem is, and again, this is why I, uh, you know, moved away from the period scene, was because yeah. I was also directing it. And, right, okay, uh, gotcha. I was editing it as well, so nobody actually, uh, well... <laughs> no one was there to stop you? No, and the, when the commissioner watched it back, uh, he went, well, I don't like to swear, but he went, what the fuck are they talking about? That happened <laughs> yep. 200 years after they're born. And I said, how do you know when they're born? I don't, I don't, I don't want to get so much into the detail of this particular aspect of this opening conversation, but could you just very quickly summarise the rest of the plot of this TV show you made? Well, uh, you know, there's not a lot to do in the mansion. They kind of walk around, and um, I think the problem was in episode four when... Episode four? I'm sorry, I thought this was, this was a one-off. This, this, this went on for a while. Yeah, six-part series yeah. uh, on ITV, I think 1996, I think it went out. 
Which, which you know, again, but, you know, <laughs> what predating unleavened by five years? I mean, yeah, I mean, they were the the cast couldn't believe. I got. I remember nine eleven. People say, "Where were you?" I remember where I was. I was sat at home getting hundreds of texts from the cast and crew of that yep. period uh, drama, going <laughs> that you'd made five years previously. My God. Five years ago, uh, you were chatting about this. And I was like, I know. <laughs> I know. You think I'm not scared? I'm absolutely petrified of what's next. Yeah. Um, no, the, the problem was, uh, I don't know. It basically, it got put... It, we did film six. It got pulled on the fourth. On the fourth? What, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? Well, uh, the lead woke up one day. He goes to his uh, unrequited love's bedroom, knocks on the door. No answer. He... Uh, Opens it, the bed is empty, goes over to the bed, there's a note on the pillow, she's uh, flown to Barbados. Right. Now, the reason why I had to put that in was she had actually walked off set. She yeah. said, this is the worst thing I've ever been involved in, uh, and I said, well, tough luck, I've got four episodes on you. And uh, I had to think of, you know, what, where's she gone? You can't, you can't just have someone disappear. No, so, so you thought she's flown to Barbados? She's flown to Barbados uh, from Heathrow, and then it, he's running to Heathrow. Now, the problem the ITV commissioner had was, well, in mid-17th century, there was no Heathrow, and yeah, it was I, just I, fields. I, don't need to get into the details of why this is not a, something that could be done in the past. Is there a general plot to the series, or is it just people in the past running around discovering or talking about things that will happen in the future? Well, no, but you've hit the nail on the head there, if I may say so. You're very, you're, you're fantastic. You really are at your job. This is why I moved away from period drama. All they do is talk and fall in love and drink cups of tea. That's why I went into Hammer Horror. You might have someone drinking a cup of tea, but that tea's going straight in their eyes. <laughs> right. I want to get onto, I guess, the main reason why you've been invited onto the the podcast and that mystery but very quickly just talk us through your sort of career as a as a horror writer again for tv or is that in film well after the period drama fiasco tv didn't want to go near me tv didn't want you anymore you moved into films very quickly just a, a quick uh, rundown of the sort of films you made in that horror genre well the thing you have to remember and it's something that um upsets uh, upsets me a little bit is that i didn't actually set out to make horror i set out to make comedy but i'm sat in the cinema i remember uh, the debut film your debut film yeah it was called the shed right and uh, it was supposed to be about a man who's about uh, late 70s he's a granddad uh, his wife has sadly passed away Right. And I just wanted to make a comedy about a bloke who gets trapped in his shed. He's trapped in his shed? Yeah, he gets trapped in his shed. And he has to make a device that keeps him alive with all the things he's got in the shed. Oh, because he's, his, his health is failing, so he, he sort of jerry-rigs together various equipment to, to maintain Yeah, it. and he can't get out. He's locked in. That sounds quite a sort of fun idea. Oh, it, uh, in my mind, it was going to be hilarious. But you're saying it took a turn. Well, it did. Right. What do you mean? <laughs> it did. You wrote it. You filmed it. And I can imagine edited it and produced it. I did. I did all that, yeah. Mm. But, but, but basically, what happened was, the guy... I set up all the cameras. Yeah. I put the guy in the shed. Yeah. Uh, I locked him in, and I went, right, here we go. You've got the script in there. You do what you got to do. So no rehearsals? No rehearsal. No, no, I don't work like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting that idea. This guy, I'm watching on the camera. I've got about six uh, GoPros in the shed because you can't fit big cameras in there. You know, can't fit a cameraman in there. Mm. Uh, 
I didn't quite read it. Basically, the guy who I got in, uh, he was old. This guy was about 85. So, so to play a 70-year-old, you got in an 84-year-old? Yeah, well, he looked good. He did look good. Right. Because 74-year-olds these days look about 60. <laughs> I see what you mean. I guess in the same way that in a lot of American dramas they get adults to play teenagers, you had to employ an 84-year-old to play someone a bit younger. <laughs> yeah. But what, what went wrong? Well, he, he cut himself. He cut himself? Yeah, he, he did, yeah. Because I said there was no rehearsals. Mm. And he didn't know his ass from his elbow, this guy. He, he basically was having a nightmare in there. I didn't realise he'd cut his foot. On, on what? On bits of lawnmower? What was what sharp objects were in this shed? Uh, there was a rat in there. There was right. uh, there were there were nails sticking up. I didn't know yeah. that. So uh, anyway, I didn't know whilst watching him that he was bleeding to death from his feet, and the blood was just slowly going down. Um, he didn't realise either. So um, I'm watching on the cameras going, well, he's moving a bit slowly here. Uh, I've got a radio mic and I'm kind of keeping in contact with him, going like, you all right in there? And he's like, he's old, isn't he? He's kind of, he's waving at the camera, banging on the window. Anyway, two days later, this guy's dead. And uh, I think, well, I can't put this out without a laughter track or something, otherwise this <laughs> right, ain't funny. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You, you did release the film as a comedy. <laughs> At least just an old man bumbling around a shed, falling into bits of lawnmower, nails, and, and it's full of rats until he bleeds to death. You stick a laughter track on it, that's it. No, listen, listen to me. You're being rude there. I mean, you put it exactly how it was, sadly, right. but it, it still is rude. I hired, I, I watched it back, and I thought, this is horrific, you know? This is uh, uh, genuinely horrible. So I thought, well, what do I need to do? My uh, niece, uh, 17 years old, she's grade 8 piano. She's incredible. So I thought, right, I'll get her in and I'll get her to play piano over the film. <laughs> right, I see. To make it spookier, so you've gone from it being a comedy to now a haunting piano soundtrack to make it back into a horror. You're wrong. Right, sorry. I wanted to add, like, a Laurel and Hardy kind of plinky <laughs> plonk, see, you sorry, know? right. To make it more of a comedy. Make it more of a comedy, yeah. I got rid of the laughter track because uh, I didn't know where to put it, to be quite frank. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I hired the cinema and uh, I called my niece and I went, will you do it? She said, how many times? I said, uh, well, there's one showing at the moment, but if it goes well, uh, uh, you're going to be busy. <laughs> so, um, anyway, she she couldn't she didn't make it in the end. Something with a bus. She was late. Mm. So we all sat, me and about 100 people, a couple of reviewers in, in silence, uh, watching this bloke. Yeah. <laughs> Fall over a lawnmower yeah. and die. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> eaten by rats absolutely <laughs> what did it get what sort of reviews did it get well the one I mean uh, the worst review I got was uh, a knock from the police because um, unfortunately halfway through the film there is a bit where uh, you can see me looking through the window at him <laughs> asking him if his <laughs> asking him if what asking him if his mic is on I <laughs> right, see right that that wasn't edited out. Well, I didn't see it until... <laughs> until you put it on the screen. You know, when you watch something so many times, you miss stuff. And uh, it's only on the big screen. I went, hang on a minute, that's me looking through the window. And uh, there's just me tapping. He's lying on the floor, and mm. I'm going, you know... Is your mic on? I can't hear you. Yeah. Um, the police came round and went, that was neglect. Um, sure. That was, you know, you should have realised something was wrong. But I said, well, we were making a comedy. And then this is when it hit me. Uh, PC Dunce, that was his name, <laughs> he went to me, you're not making comedies, young man, you're making horror. And uh. I thought, ah, 
The rest, as they say, is history. But I walked out of there thinking, I am now a horror director. Yes. Now, I want to sort of talk about your horror career, but I, you know, I sort of want to get onto the main topic as to why we, we asked you to come on this podcast. Is because I read on a blog that you claim that some of the work that you've been writing in horror films is what? Is coming to life? That your word process or whatever you type on the, on the page materialises in reality? How, how, how would you describe it and what, what on earth has been happening? Well, I, um, yeah, that blog, uh, that blog was a turning point because, I mean, are you aware of the term uh, ghost writer? Yes. Well, it, it all started uh, when I was writing my, my, I think it was my fourth feature. Uh, again, Hammer Horror, absolutely disgusting. Yeah. What was it called? It, it, it was called Tea Leaves. Right. What was it about? Well, well, this is the well. This is what made me kind of freak start, out. Start to question is something something supernatural is going on about the process of writing. I wrote a um, film called Tea Leaves, and it was about a a, a mother who uh, is married to uh, a man who is always out. He's always out at work. Uh, he's away golfing at weekends. You know, this guy, they've got three kids, he pays no attention to them. You know, she's only with him for the money, but she's lonely. One day, she's pouring herself a uh, cup of... Cup of tea. Tetley's tea. Yeah. Do you know the Tetley's, the little men? No, I don't, but go on. Well, they run around in white coats, glasses. Right. Oh, I know what you mean. They've got wigs on. Little, they got like, flat caps. Oh, are they flat caps? I always thought they were little wigs. <laughs> Right. So she's pouring a cup of tea, and the boiling water's too hot, yeah. and it splits the bag in the uh, in her mug. Yeah. And uh, so she's like, you know, she's annoyed. So she goes and pours it in the sink. She pours the water in the sink, and the tea leaves spell "kill your husband." <laughs> right. Yeah. Psychological horror. <laughs> she ignores it. She thinks. Right. That's, okay. Right. She thinks she's seeing things. Anyway. She's at her... Uh, every Sunday she goes to church with the kids. Mm -hmm. They're in the local primary and they got a show face. Anyway, uh, there's a tea... You know, it's the family mass. Right, someone offers some tea. <laughs> there's a family mass. Yeah. So she's, uh, she's like, I'll make, I'll make the tea. Yeah. So she... Uh, they don't have any technique. They've got PG tips. You know, right. uh, the little monkey, the little monkey runs around. I don't, I don't think this aspect of it is, <laughs> is crucial, is it? <laughs> little monkey. She makes a cup of PG tips. The pyramid splits. <laughs> Does it? She pulls, uh, pulls it into the sink. Yeah, what happens? The leaves say, don't ignore me, kill your husband. Oh, oh my God, can't believe it, can't believe it. I mean, I, I think I've got the idea, can you just... To speed up the story, just quickly give us... Uh, the, uh, I won't give away the whole plot, but I'll just, you know... She igno she keeps ignoring it, basically. She tries to go away. She goes to, like... She flies to Mallorca on holiday with the kids. Yeah. She brings tea bags because you can't uh, find them in Mallorca or something. To escape from this haunted tea bags... Yes! She takes, she takes more tea with her on holiday. Yeah, because you can't get tea in Mallorca. Right, OK, but the bag, the bag splits and it spells out a message in the sink. What is that message? Well, no, it doesn't in the sink. This is the crazy thing. This is the crazy thing. Uh, <laughs> sat in the plane yeah. and over the tunnel, it's like... Is there a uh, is there a Mrs Briggs? She stands up going, yes, yeah, there's something wrong. 
somebody goes, yeah, can we just have a quick word outside the plane? Yeah, outside the plane. Oh, it's not it's not taken off at this point. <laughs> no, no, no way, no way. Right. Uh, she stood at the top of the stairs and she looks out and across the whole of the strip of... Uh, runway. Runway, yeah, it's a runway. It says, bloody hell, you thought you could run away from me, do you? Kill your husband. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, this is all spelt in tea, is it? Yeah, because she's brought a lot of tea because she's going on holiday. Anyway, I, I, I will not go into the detail of this. Uh, <laughs> no? <laughs> this film. Feels like we've got more than we needed anyway. Well, there's a hell of a lot. But she tries, tries, she tries to wean herself off tea. Mm. Um, so she goes to Coffee Granules, Maxwell yeah. House. Um, that again... She just, I mean, it just starts, everything starts speaking to her. And so she thinks, well, I can't ignore this anymore. Uh, so she uh, flies back. Again, it happens again. Uh, is there a Mrs. Briggs on the plane? Yeah. Could you come outside, please? Yeah. Yeah. Why? What's the problem? Message on the runway. What does it say? Uh, I'm glad you're listening to me. <laughs> right. Soon this will all be over. Kill your husband. I mean, oh my God. Can you believe it? She's got three kids, you know. Don't anyway. What an informal style of talking. <laughs> this haunted teabag. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. That's the beauty of this thing. She's thinking, who is this? Who is this? Do I know him? Anyway, she ends up uh, meeting her husband. Hmm. And this is the greatest scene I think I've ever written, personally. Personally. She meets him in a French cafe, uh, just off the Strand in central London. Very posh. Mm-hmm. They have uh, starters, melon. They have uh, no, I don't, I, 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 don't, I know you're a screenwriter, you like to paint a picture. Let's just get on with it. He says, should we have a cup of tea before we head <laughs> home? Right, does he? Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you believe it? So uh, she goes, yeah, all right, let's have a cup of tea. And she thinks, well, this will be the test. Tea comes. They finish it. He goes, right, I'm just off to go to the toilet. I'll see you in a minute. She looks in her mug. It says, look in his mug. Right. She She leans over. (laughs) She leans over. She looks in his mug and it says, kill him now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Can you believe it? Astonishing horror. Oh, shocking. I mean, shocking. So she's thinking, right, how am I going to do this? I'm in the middle of a. I'm in the middle of a uh, French cafe off the Strand. Everyone's going to see me do this. So he comes back from the toilet. He sits back down. He's looking at her weird, mm. and she's like, "Sorry, is, is something wrong?" And he went, "Well, in my mug it says <laughs> kill your husband." No, it says Mao you <coughs> because it's upside down. <laughs> yeah, right. It says Mao you look, and he's like, "What, what, what does that mean?" She says, spin it uh, 360 degrees. No, 180 degrees. <laughs> I'll go through this again. Spin it round, halfway. He does that. A horror on his oh. face as, uh, as he reads. Kill me now. Right. She pulls out a gun and shoots him in the head. <laughs> okay, right, Christ. Now. This escalated. She gets away with it. Does she? Because in every police, every witness in, in the court case, what were his last words? Kill me now. Right. She got GBH... GBH? Yes. And then, you know, it ends happily ever after. Um, it ends happily ever after. She just well, shot I mean, her husband in the head. <laughs> somehow getting off on a technicality <laughs> and the, the charge being dropped just down to grievously bodily harm. Yeah. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, just dragging this back as quickly as we can to this idea that you have a haunted word processor and the writings that you write become alive. <laughs> yes! Right. How have you fared... <laughs> fucking hell, mate. How have you fared as a writer with this going on? Well, the reason why I told you about that film... Um, it's because it all happened. <laughs> so when I finished uh, that film, uh, you know, that took a lot out of me. I was devastated. I, I couldn't believe right. that that had come out of my body. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes you think, Christ, what, what drugs am I on? Right. Are you on you drugs? Know, I need to look at my diet here because where's this coming from? Yeah. I need to exercise. I need to talk to people. I need to get out. I finished the story. Yeah, tea leaves. And I sat there and I thought, right. I need to shut this laptop and get out of here. Tea leaves is done. And what I like to do whenever I finish a, a script or a film, I treat myself. Sure. So uh, I went into my local village where I uh, where I live. I, I went to the poshest restaurant and I sat there and I, you know, I, I bought a, a steak and, uh, you know, a big old pudding, you know, tr- treating myself. That's what I like yeah. to do. Raising a glass of Prosecco saying, well done, congratulations. <laughs> to yourself? Yeah, you know, yeah, hard work. I work very hard. You're sat there with a steak and a cake and a glass of wine cheering yourself. Yeah, and I recommend it, actually. But when I am sat on my own, I do like to face the wall. I don't really like to face... Uh, outwards. Outwards. Anyway, I regret that to this day. Because as I was raising a glass up to uh, the wall, I uh, I heard gunshots. Oh, I see. And what, what had happened in tea leaves had happened in that restaurant. I span round... Yeah. And, well, there was a man uh, slumped over his cranberry light. Mm. There was a uh, a woman there holding a smoking gun aloft. It was almost like she was frozen in time. She just held this gun up. And uh, the waiter was stood there. And he said, uh, why did you do that? <laughs> did he? Right. That was his reaction. <laughs> yeah. He said, why did you do that? And she dropped the gun and she went, he told me to. Mm. So exactly like what happened in the film. Well, I had my back turned, didn't I? I went over to her and uh, I said, how do you know the deceased? And she said, he was my husband. And I said, who told you to do it? And uh, she ran away. Just, she ran. Mm. And I sat in her chair and I thought, right, I need to get... I want to try and get as much emotion out of this. Now, the problem was I sat in her chair a bit too quick. The police turned up right. and arrested me. And I said, no, it wasn't me, it was his wife. And they went, well, why are you sat in the chair? Anyway, the problem was, 
when they went and found my, they raided my home, obviously, and went through everything. And found found a, a transcript of exactly what what happened. They found the transcript and went. Well, you're telling us it weren't you, but there's no CCTV, so we can't check that. Yep. Uh, the waiter, uh, he says it was you. He was what? He was what in shock? No, he didn't like me, so he just said it was me. Right. Were there not other customers there? No, awful restaurant. Sorry, so it was. So you, you went there for a steak. You sat facing a wall by yourself, and the only two people in the <laughs> restaurant shoot each other. <laughs> I know. Can you believe it? And I'm facing the wrong way. I mean, it's just my luck. Anyway, the policeman went, well, you've written about it here. Yeah. And I thought, my, my. I said, this is 9-11 all over again. Now, bear in mind, uh, this was <laughs> this was in 2002, when things were still a bit spicy then. They went, well, what do you know about that? And I went, oh, well. Uh, they watched your ITV drama series and realised that you predicted that as well. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, they, they said to me, uh, well, do you know uh, next Saturday's lottery numbers? And I went. Well, I, I have to write a horror about it first. Yeah, that's what I said. I said, I'd have to write a horror about it. And they went, right, we're going to lock you up for one week. Yeah. It was Monday. They went, on Friday, we'll let you go if you write a horror about someone who wins the lottery. <laughs> See, right, so, so you were, were you able to do that? Well, I was, but I said to them, the problem is, I can't predict what I'm going to write. The guy might win the lottery, but he might also have his head cut off or something. Mm. And they went, we don't care, just give us the numbers. Yeah. So, I wrote a uh, about a 50-page short story uh, about a uh, 25-year-old man who's down on his yeah. luck. Gets a lottery ticket, wins it. <laughs> he does. Um, on the way to his mother to tell her that she doesn't need to worry about her debts anymore, um, he gets brutally uh, <laughs> murdered. Right. It's a horror film, of course. <laughs> he gets brutally murdered. Yeah. And the person steals the lottery ticket, uh, skins the guy's face off. Skins the guy's face off, right? Okay, sorry. Yes, it's a horror. It's a hammer horror. Yeah. It's horrible, this thing. Yeah. Skins the guy's face off. Yeah, puts on his face. Puts on his face. <laughs> Goes to the news agent. Says, I've won, uh, I don't know, I think it was 60 million quid or something. Sure. Turn over. Turn over. Roll over. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, go on. He's got this guy's face on his on his head. Yeah, it was on his head. Because it wouldn't stay on his face. So he had to put it on top of his... <laughs> so he wore, he wore his little hat. <laughs> yeah, and he kind of just, like, put his head at a little angle. Oh, I see. So, so he, he, le- he, leaned, he leaned over to make it look like the guy had a head. Yeah, but he was talking out of his own mouth, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was coming from, like, his chest, because he'd put his head in his chest. Yeah. Anyway, they... Um, anyway, so the news agent goes, Oh, my God, you want it from my shop? It, uh, it was... A rollover oh my god i'm so happy so they start hugging yeah uh the shop gets robbed um and they're both murdered horrible and both of their heads are skinned off let's just to, just to take stock so they've also been killed and then their faces have been skimmed off but surely the guy doing the skinning now has got a double head scenario because that guy already had a face on top of him to begin with he's got three now he's got three he's got the shopkeeper's he's got head the guy yeah. who actually won he's got the shopkeeper's head and he's got the guy who killed the guy who actually won yeah. in the first place T- terrifying horror film Oh, it's disgusting. So he picks up the lottery ticket. He calls up Lottery HQ. He says, I've won. Yep. They go, oh, fantastic. Stay in the shop. We want a picture with you and the shopkeeper. <laughs> yep. And we're going to send our news reporter right away. Mm-hmm. So the guy's thinking, oh, my God, I've just... <laughs> cut, the, cut the shopkeeper's face off. <laughs> I've just cut the shopkeeper's face off. So uh, what happened was uh, the photographer tried to get in. Uh, the, the news agent was shut. The murderer had locked the door, yeah. He'd locked the door because he was scared. So he ran out the back, 
Who ran out the back? The, the, the murderer. Wait, we should say the second murderer. The second murderer, yeah. And the photographer finally got in, found the lottery ticket, and thought, well, I'm having that. And so he called up, went, I've won. Yeah. <laughs> they went, it's already been claimed. He went, yeah, I'm there now. Uh, it's me. And they went, oh, but you're a photographer. And he went, yeah, but I've found it. And, you know, find us keepers. And, uh, and you know, that was the end of that. So I said <laughs> to the police... That was, that's the, the 50-page <laughs> short story you wrote for the police. And and what? <laughs> yeah. You showed it to the police. What happened? All of, the, all of that happened because of your haunted word processor. Well, I said to them, look, like, I've typed this up, but I'm worried it's all going to come true. Yeah. And they went, well, that means we're going to win £65 million. Pounds. Yeah. And I went, yeah, but it also means you're going to have your head skimmed off when you're going to your mum's, and then uh, the shopkeeper will, and also the robber's going to run off, and the photographer's actually going to win. And they went, don't care, um, just show us the numbers. Well, so you've written this screenplay, the policemen have got the lottery numbers, and then what happens? It, it just plays out because of the haunted nature of your word processor. Everything that I wrote happened. And uh, police, uh, again, turned up at my door and, uh, you know, they circled my uh, my house and they went, right, your word processor is very, very dangerous. Anything you write on that will happen. Yeah. And I said, I tried to tell you that, but you wouldn't listen. And they said, well, we're listening now, son. Now, there were discussions about what to do with the word processor. Right. Uh, a lot of people said, well, why don't you use it for good? Why don't you write something nice and then... That would happen. Solve world hunger. Sure. And then that would happen. I said, it doesn't work like that. It only will make something happen if it's hammer horror. So, yes, I could save world hunger, but <laughs> right. it would have to be within the plot of a hammer horror. Yeah, but surely you could just have, like, one nice vampire, <laughs> you know, do a good deed. Well, I did suggest this, but no one was having it. And uh, they wanted to make. They wanted to do a controlled explosion. Well, I think that's probably reasonable given the circumstances. Um, we really, we sort of run, we sort of run out of time. I just have, I guess, one very quick question: of where did this word processor come from? Where did you find it? How did you get it? Uh, I went on a uh, holiday when I was eighteen years old. I was young. I wanted to travel the world. I went to Egypt. Mm. Um, uh, it was there that I, I timed it quite perfectly. Actually, a mummy was being uh, excavated. Yeah. Uh, they they wanted to open up a tomb, crack it open while I was there. Sure. It opened up. Everyone was shocked to see the mummy, but something else caught my eye. Right. It was the word processor she had underneath <laughs> her head. I see. <laughs> as, as everyone was clawing around the mummy, going, "Oh my God, look at this! Look at the art!" Yeah. I uh, I just kind of thought, Swipe well, this word no one's interested. I'm going to take that. Yeah. So I took it. Uh, it was all all the uh, all the keys were in uh, hieroglyphics. 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 Sorry, what does that mean? Uh, it's just lots of wet shapes. <laughs> yeah, lo- yeah, loads of wet shapes. Uh, and so I flew it back home. I went to a small uh, I don't know who this guy was. I found him in the uh, on the internet. Um, he shortly died after fixing it, which I didn't think was great. Right. But uh, it never ran out of ink. That's the one thing I'll always remember about this thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that thing has now... (laughs) Well, we won't be seeing it again. Well, 
thank you very much for joining us, uh, Sam. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> we look forward to seeing your future films, and hopefully they don't uh, don't come true. Well, thank you. Um, a small plug: I am releasing my next film. Oh yeah. Uh, well, it's a fantastic yarn, which involves again. I've I've done period drama, I've done comedy, I've done Hammer Horror, yeah. and now I'm going into uh, documentary. Right. And what's the documentary about? Uh, it's about a. Uh, <laughs> you you brought this up. You wanted to do a plug. No, I don't apologize. It's about um. Well, everyone, every house in the world has a pillow. Right. But where do pillows come from? Um. It's about um. <laughs> it's about Hard hitting stuff then. Yeah, it's about pillows. Okay. Thanks, Sam. Uh, we look forward to seeing the seeing that film in the in cinemas soon. Thank you very much. Appreciate you uh, taking the time. Thank you. Well, that's all we've got time for. This episode was researched by John Kearns and edited by Matt Ewins. Sound effects were added by Ben Williams and the theme tune is by Nikki Green. If you've been enjoying these, please consider leaving a review somewhere or tell a friend. Follow our Twitter account, at Microscope Fun, for details of various things. Next time, we'll be investigating the attempted theft of the crown jewels. But until then, remain vigilant and catch you next time on Microscope. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.